Hey y'all, I'm Casey Bell from the Shake Up Learning Show, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host Greg Goins and my special guest this week is Dr. Scott Looney, the head of the Hawkins School in Cleveland, Ohio and the founder of the Mastery Transcript Consortium that takes a new and innovative approach to the high school transcript. The Mastery Transcript Consortium is a growing network of schools who are using an evidence-based digital transcript that supports mastery learning and reflects the unique skills, strengths, and interests of each learner. Not only is this a great conversation about how to reimagine the high school experience, but it's also timely as students across the country are sure to have gaps in the traditional high school transcript due to COVID-19. So if you're a school superintendent, a high school principal, or an educator in the high school setting, you want to share out this episode and take a hard look at transitioning to the Mastery Transcript approach. You can find more information at their website at mastery.org. Before we jump into this episode, I'm very excited to share that more and more of you have contacted me to let me know that you will be using the podcast for podcast studies this spring and summer using the Reimagined Schools podcast. To help support those efforts, please know that I'm available to jump into your Zoom meetings or other virtual hangouts. So just hit me up on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins or email to drgreggoins at gmail.com. If you need help setting up your podcast study, I'd be glad to do that as well. And I would be honored to join your professional learning group. As always, thanks for your continued support of the show. And be sure to like, share, or leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast with that folks i hope you have a great end to the month of may as we roll into summer this is a good one my conversation with dr scott looney begins right now hello again everyone and welcome to another episode of the reimagined schools podcast very excited today to have a very special guest in the state of ohio He's a longtime educational leader, and he's the founder of the Mastery Transcript Consortium. A big welcome to Scott Looney. How are you, Scott? I'm great, Greg. Thanks for uh, having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you because I've been hearing so much about the Mastery Transcript Consortium over the last couple years. You guys are doing some amazing things, and uh, as we were talking a little bit off air, you know, people like Dr. Tony Wagner, Ted Dinnersmith, some of the real heavyweights in the ed reform movement are really singing your praises. So we want to get to that, of course, but let's just begin with your background. You've been doing this for a long time. So uh, <laughs> what, are you, what are you passionate about as a school leader? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, head of Hawkins School in Cleveland. It's a preschool through grade 12, uh, private independent school with uh, currently about 1,400 kids, hopefully about 1,600 kids um, on four campuses. Um, and I've been doing that for 14 years, and I had a variety of other administrative roles before that. Um, 
And I think what I'm passionate about is uh, deconstructing the industrial production model of school and replacing it with something that's healthier for children. I think that's what I'm most passionate, besides my own family, obviously, which probably think I'm most passionate about. But having served kids for over 30 years, um, uh, this is not a system that's healthy for kids, whether they're kids who the struggle the system rejects or kids that the system theoretically enables. Um, I'm not sure it's healthy for any of them. And I think there are better ways for us to grow children into thoughtful human beings that we know they're capable of being than putting them on an assembly line and comparing them to each other constantly for 18 years. So we're trying to gather together the people who would like to see something healthier for them and seeing what we can do about it. Well, we, we certainly share, uh, share that passion because obviously the, the podcast is reimagined schools. And we talk a lot about changing that old industrialized model, you know, those Carnegie units. And we're going to get into that here as we talk about the, uh, the MTC. But you have some exciting news. Uh, you know, you're in the final planning stage this spring. You're going to open up a new high school in August. So talk about that with us a little bit. Yeah, I'm very excited. This is a passion project for me and a, and a number of the people I've been working with for a while. Um, we have an existing high school, uh, uh, Hawken Upper School, of about 530 kids um, out in the suburbs. Uh, it's about 15 miles from downtown Cleveland. Um, but we just uh, bought some properties in the city of Cleveland um, to create a new high school uh, called the Mastery School of Hawken. And this new high school is not completely separate from our upper school. Um, the academic program will be largely separate, but one of the problems with small startup high schools is they oftentimes can't offer co-curricular programs, you know, sports and performing arts. So the kids on the Master School campus will share those programs with our upper school kids. Um, the Master School of Hawken is uh, designed entirely around real world problem solving. It's in the city of Cleveland where there are lots of uh, challenging problems that humanity faces that if you ask nicely and bring a reasonably motivated group of high school kids with you, they'll let you let, let them work on it. Um, and by selecting these problems carefully, um, we can teach kids the content and skills we think they'll need for college. And it doesn't have traditional courses. It doesn't have grades. It, um, but what it does have is a mastery crediting system that aligns with the mastery transcript. Um, and most of the work for kids is, is on projects, group and individual projects. And because of that, the pathway and the curriculum, so to speak, for every child is unique to them. Um, there are some shared courses we call macros. Uh, the best way to think about a macro would be as if you took a regular schedule with maybe six classes and you smushed four of those blocks together, it's about 60, about two thirds of a kid's schedule into one big interdisciplinary course. It was all done by um, uh, collaborative learning. That's a macro. And we've been doing macros for about eight years now, and they've become our signature, some of our signature courses at Hawking. So half of the students learning in the mastery school will be these macros. We have a macro in, in engineering, entrepreneurship, architecture and design. We intend to build one in uh, issues of public health, um, human systems and government. Um, and so these are thematically around things that people are doing in the world to help the world. And, um, and then the other half are what we're calling micros. And micros are individual student projects. Think of it as a project playlist that are designed and curated by the faculty and the students to get the students the learning that they're looking for. Um, 
if you think of the macros as the bricks in the wall, the micros are the mortar. And, and so let's say a student is trying to earn a credit in algebraic reasoning, they might do a small project that produces an artifact that can then be used to submit for that credit. Um, uh, and then we have another uh, part of the program, which we're calling wayfinding, which is to intentionally spend time in school helping kids develop a sense of identity and purpose um, and to facilitate that journey for the kids in school with their peers. So those are really the three component parts of the mastery school. Um, and our, we're gonna, we've hired the founding faculty and we're now looking for you know, the first cohort of kids to show up in August. And, and uh, we'll see, this really is the ideal high school for, from our perspective. Um, and we did it in the city for two reasons. One, it's much easier to radically innovate if you take only volunteers. Um, and two, uh, the city of Cleveland, this neighborhood in particular, which is Glenville University Circle, is a really fascinating intersection of, uh, there are 200 nonprofit organizations within a mile of our new location, which allows the nonprofit organizations have something in common. They're trying to solve a human problem and they don't have enough money. Um, so if you show up with kids who are willing to work for free, if you just let them learn some things along the way, it's amazing how frequently they say yes and let our kids get their hands on real problems, not case studies, not problems they've already solved, but, but unsolved problems. Um, and that ambiguity is kind of the, the exciting part. It's what makes it real for kids. Well, I'm sure it's an exciting time to kind of put the final touches on that. And I'm looking forward to following your progress. But let's kind of dive in and, and look at that word mastery. That's kind of the magic word, whether it's the mastery transcript or the mastery school. What is it about that word that's kind of become the guiding light for, for the work that you've been doing? Sure. I, I used to think that the worst thing we did to kids in our system was to grade them, to rank and sort them constantly. And that's still horrible. Um, but now I'm starting to believe that the worst thing we do to kids is we have them learn the same thing at the same pace with the same deadlines. Um, and, and it translates itself into the world as credit hours or Carnegie units. Um, and so if you imagine a group of kids trying to learn algebra, right, if we think algebra is a useful thing to know, at the end of a course, they don't all know algebra, um, but they move on and they may never see what would be algebra two again. Um, so in a mastery-based system, achievement is fixed and time is flexible. And in our, versus our current system where time is fixed and achievement is flexible. Um, and so you, you keep working on whatever it is we think is important or you think is important until you demonstrate a level of mastery against an institutional standard. Um, and the institution that you're working with gets to set the standard. Um, so some people have critiqued the word mastery saying, well, you never master anything. And that's true. Um, you know, there's deeper knowledge that you can, but there's a level of mastery that an institution expects of you and you should keep working on things until you achieve that. Um, and that's really the, the simple core of the idea is that, and vice versa, if you're a kid who basically could pass, could ace the Algebra 2 final on your third day of class, why do you have to sit through a whole year of it? You, you need to be mastered. You need to work, spend your time mastering something else, um, uh, whatever's beyond that for you. Um, so, so that's really the idea. It's very simple, which is, you know, quit cohorting kids in groups and having them work on the same stuff at the same pace. It's not very smart. It doesn't make sense. And it completely ignores the biology of humans. And if you think about system design or reinventing or reimagining education, if you will, I've heard you talk about the apprenticeship model 
and that being the oldest model in education. You can go back to the 15th century. And, and I, I've done some research, and, and I love when you talk about that particular model. Why is that apprenticeship model? Uh, I guess, first of all, why have we lost sight of the value in doing that? And secondly, uh, you know, how do you see that kind of reemerging now in schools as we think about building essential skills for kids? Yeah, the journey from the 15th century when Cambridge University took the Latin grammar school model, which was designed for clerics to transcribe the Bible verbatim, which had at its center sort of consistency and conformity, um, really got accelerated during the Industrial Revolution because the need for efficiency was real. All across the world, people were deciding that they were going to have compulsory education for the public, which meant that there were vast numbers of people who now needed an education. So. And when the Industrial Revolution came along, which had at its center the ethic of efficiency, um, made sense. Well, guess what? Learning is inherently inefficient. Um, <laughs> good, deep learning is inherently inefficient. So um, prior to that kind of conformity turning towards um, the industrial model, all humans, actually all mammals, learn the same way, which is we are, we are pre-programmed, whether you believe it's God or biology or both, um, to want to learn from older, more knowledgeable um, people. And it, it is, you don't have to teach kids that. Um, if you take babies and you set them on the floor and as an adult, you pretend to drop something, a baby will crawl over, grab it and hand it to you. They want to be helpful. So you don't have to teach kids how to wanna do things and solve problems. And you don't have to teach kids how to be curious. You don't have to teach kids how to, how to want to emulate and model a knowledgeable adult, but here's the key, and this is where grades get in the way. They have to trust that adult. There has to be a deep sense of trust between that knowledgeable adult and the kid because that trust is the key to that adult holding expectations towards that child that the child doesn't think they can meet. You know, if I ask, if you ask a groom of adults who've been somewhat successful, if this is part of their story, that at some point or points in their journey, some adult held them to a higher standard than they thought they were capable of doing, but because they respect and love that adult, they were willing to try, surprise themselves, gain some confidence, and kept going. That is the success story of education when it's done right. Everything that gets in between that trusting relationship of an adult with high standards and a kid who's willing to try, everything that gets in between of those is a problem. Um, and so we need to redesign the system to basically give kids a variety of mentors because you're, the, the person you trust may or may not be your assigned teacher. So by bringing in real world mentors in addition to actual teachers who understand the pedagogy of learning and, and, and are trained to work with kids of a certain developmental age, that combo of bringing in real world experts with real teachers who know how to work with kids uh, is magical when it's done right. But grades don't help that. Carnegie units corrupt it. Um, even traditional course structures that define the boundary of learning within a discipline actually aren't that helpful. Um, so as we think about learning um, and what we want kids to learn, we should have specific targets. and We should have specific definitions of what we want children to learn. And they should have some voice at some point in what they want to learn. But the whole ballgame is around a what used to be called the master apprentice model, um, where there's a masterful person. And if you think about an, a, a master apprentice workshop, right, there are, there are novices who are, who are being asked to do very simple tasks. 
they're intermediates who are doing moderately complex tasks. And by the way, those intermediate apprentices usually are assigned to help the novices because, and research has demonstrated that one of the best ways to consolidate understanding is to have to teach something you think you know to someone who doesn't know it. So this idea that kids can, teaching kids is a waste of time for the older kids or the more experienced kids is completely wrong. Research shows that if you want kids to really under, consolidate their understanding of algebra, teaching a student who doesn't understand algebraic reasoning, algebraic reasoning, deepens your own reasoning in ways that are really valuable. So this idea that you can put kids of different ages and different experiences at different levels in the same space working on thematically, logically aligned things with a master or a set of masters um, is really the whole idea behind the mastery school hog and it's the whole idea behind why we think a mastery transcript needs to live in the world is to enable these kind of things. Well, and I think that's very well said and I couldn't agree more. And as we kind of jump into now the mastery transcript consortium as the founder of that, you know, when people think about a transcript, whether you're a, a student or an educator looking at trying to help those high school kids get into college, we know that 99% of those all look the same. You know, they're all five, you know, the five letter grades. Uh, so we're reducing kids to either a number or a letter. And at what point did you have that aha moment and you say, you know what, this is crazy. And not only that, you know, most people, and you may have done this, but try to find an alternative uh, assessment for that. But you said, heck with it, just kind of created your own. So that's, that's fascinating to me that not only did you recognize that something had to change, but you took on this huge initiative to kind of build it from scratch. Yeah, so it, it really started with, we were trying to build the Mastery School of Auckland. We were trying to build the ideal high school. And we realized the biggest boulder were the perceptions around college admissions. Well, we can't do this because the colleges will think that because of that. Um, and frankly, we got really frustrated at, for a while. Um, I had made, and, and it really, um, and so we started looking for all, alternative ways. We assumed there must be a, an alternative transcript out there. There must be a different way to show credit, academic achievement, than the one we're using now. And, and I hired a research firm to go look for that. And they came back and said, yep, nope, there isn't. There's sort of two, there's two kinds of high schools. 99% uh, of them have content labeled courses with some kind of time unit credit hours and, and, and either a numeric or a letter grade. About 1% are ungraded and they just vomit large amounts of narrative comments um, on the laps of colleges and hope it works out. Um, and so, when I realized there wasn't anything else out there, um, I had a little bit of a, a historical advantage in that for the vast majority of my career, I did enrollment management, I did admissions. Um, and a lot of my friends who were in private school admissions migrated to the college world. So I started test driving some of these ideas with my friends who were college admission deans. And I said, is this crazy? And they said, no, you know, that would, that would produce really interesting kids. Um, yeah, that would be a great thing to do yeah, we're gonna hate it. And I'm like, oh, great, thanks. Why are you gonna hate it? Well, you know, because if you're the only school that has this, if you have a unique one-off transcript that every time we see it, we have to remember what it is, it's gonna, I, so what if I brought a bunch of schools with me? It wasn't just us. He said, and they said, I mean, schools like yours that have really high college placement? I said, yeah, schools like mine. He said, well, then we'd have to learn how to read them. And I said, well, okay, I'll be back. And so I invited some friends of mine who run schools across the country to spend two days in Cleveland. Um, there are about 30 schools represented, um, having a two-day conversation around what if we joined together 
and said, we want to present kids to colleges differently without shaving their humanity off along the way. Um, and I figured if half of them were willing to join, we might be worth doing it. And at the end of the two days, 28 of the 30 schools joined. Um, we were off and running. Um, and, uh, and now we have 300 schools um, in 24 different countries um, that have joined the effort. We have public schools, charter schools, parochial schools, and private schools. All have high schools at this point. Now we aren't discussing doing this for middle schools as well, but we haven't, we haven't moved in that direction yet. Um, and we're creating an alternative crediting system, and it's it's not unique in the world in that it's basically credit through portfolio submission. Um, uh, what is unique is that the the mastery transcript is completely electronic. So your transcript your is a homepage of a website that that has all of your great work. So you might have two thousand artifacts organized into credit portfolios. Those credit portfolios were reviewed by teachers who were given authority by the institution to issue credit usually multiple credit reviewers. If both of them, if you submit your creative writing portfolio and both people give it a thumbs up, it goes immediately to your transcript. If you were the middle school national debate champion, you might get your public speaking credit three weeks into your ninth grade year because you have enough evidence. You don't need to sit through a, a, a public speaking class. You have enough evidence to earn that credit. And there are two kinds of, of mastery credits. Foundational credits, those are graduation requirements. Every kid in the high school would have to earn those. And then advanced credits that go well beyond that. And here's the other unique thing. Each indis individual institution writes their own credit standards. They are not standardized across institutions. Um, and um, I had an interesting debate with a, a dean of admission at um, a very selective college, among the top five most selective colleges, who said, well, you have to standardize these across schools. How are we going to compare kids? And I said, you can't compare kids across schools right now. You think you can. But that's just for your efficiency. I said, what if I actually made it easier for you to compare kids within a school? Because one of the things that the mastery transfer consumes is a data visualization. It shows graphically the pattern of your credit organization. And so for us at the mastery school, we're not organizing our credits into English math history. We're organizing them into communications, collaboration, creative thinking. Um, and what you would see if you looked at two students from the mastery school's transcripts was a very different shape. The, those credits get, and you literally can see the shape of the student. And I said, would you, if you, would you make that trade? Would, if I made it easier for you to compare kids within a single high school and harder across high schools, would you make that trade? He goes, I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, I would make that trade. So that's all I'm asking you to do. Um, and right now we have endorsements from most of the selective colleges, um, University of Michigan, University of Florida, uh, Princeton, Harvard, Yale, so the most selective colleges, which are obviously among the more tricky nuts to crack, um, are saying, yeah, this seems like a legitimate thing. We'll try to work with you to make this work. We have a higher ed advisory group that is working with us to customize the transcript. And one of the advantages for colleges is you don't just get a transcript. You get 2,000 pieces of evidence um, and teacher feedback related to that evidence that if you're not certain about a kid or you want to know if their essay was written by their mom who's an English professor or the kid, you can do a random audit and pull three pieces of writing out of their portfolios and look at the kid's actual submitted writing in a school. So Master Transcript's not a system, to, we're not trying to game the system, we're trying, trying to make it easier for colleges to figure out if these kids match what they're hoping for. But because we don't grade them, 
we don't have to compare kids directly to each other the way we used to in the old system. And because there is no timestamp, Greg, if you and I were both trying to earn our algebraic reasoning credit, you might have earned yours halfway through your freshman year. I might not have earned mine until junior year, but there's no timestamp on it. We both earned an algebraic reasoning credit. Now, chances are, if you earned your algebraic reasoning credit in ninth grade year, you would go on to accumulate quite a few advanced quantitative reasoning credits, and MIT might know the difference between you and me anyway, so we're not fooling anybody. But if we're supposed to learn algebraic reasoning, I gotta keep going. It's harder for me, so I'm gonna keep going until I get it. You need to move on to you know, higher levels of, of math and higher levels of quantitative reasoning. So, so that's really all we're doing. Once the college has said, no, this is not an illegitimate practice, um, uh, we were kind of off and running. And so now we've built a, a platform, a software platform. We raised a ton of money and, and thank you to the E. Ford Foundation. They gave us a $2 million grant. Um, it was matched by our, our uh, founding schools. Um, so we had $4 million of capital to build this platform. It allows schools to, to put kids' work product and teacher feedback into portfolios and turn it into a transcript. Mike Flanagan, who's our chief product officer, is now building tools for the college admission offices to mine that database so they can, can find the information they need if it's not presented the way they want it. Um, and we're working on an LMS, a learning management system on the front end that will make it easier for people to move those um, kind of documents and feedback back and forth. So, so this, is, this is possible now because 99.9% .9 of all colleges read admission files electronically. They read them on a computer. Um, and we've worked out some conversations with, um, with um, some of the providers to make sure that our, our transcript will port into their platform um, so admission readers can do that. So that's kind of where we are and, and uh, I'm very excited about it. I think it'll allow us to give, oh, one last thing I'll say with the Mastery Transcript. This system's designed to be overlaid on top of an existing school. You don't have to change everything to use it. And you could use the mastery transcript as an option for families. So if some families come in in ninth grade and decide, nope, I'd like to get grades at the end of courses, right? Other kids may say, no, I'd rather earn mastery credits by turning my work in. Um, you can have kids in the same classroom doing the same work, doing the same tests and papers, um, some of whom are mastery credited and some of whom are traditionally credited. So it doesn't require a school to wholesale their school, their, their curriculum. It just is a different way to give kids feedback and a different way for them to demonstrate learning. Um, the hope is that, you know, obviously the mastery transcript takes off and becomes popular enough to become the, the thing. Um, but we knew that change management is hard enough in a school that if we designed a system that required you to change everything in your high school first, nobody would be interested. But this really does, if you've got um, teachers who are willing to do the credit reviewing, got kids and families who are willing to be assessed and credited this way, and you adopt the system, you can bring the mastery transcript into your school. Um, I thought it was gonna take six to seven years before we produce kids who got into colleges. Um, this year, uh, we already have 13 kids who've gotten into different colleges using mastery transcripts. We had 50 kids who are piloting this in four, in five different high schools who are doing some, some early stage piloting. And, we think when they're done with all their admission applications, we'll end up putting mastery transcripts out to about 80 colleges um, this year. So we're, this is our first maiden voyage of, of getting those in. And, but if our membership, our membership currently represents about 150,000 kids. So 
if even 25% of those kids decide to use mastery transcripts, um, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of mastery transcripts in colleges in the next three years. Um, and at that point, there is now a whole different system to decide to organize your feedback in high school and present yourself to colleges. And that was the goal. So I'm very excited. We're much closer to the goal than I ever thought we would be in year four. Um, and a lot of work to do, uh, but our members are doing it. And our, we have a full-time staff of 10 who um, you know, are, are making this possible. And you know, it's encouraging to see more and more colleges and universities kind of rethink admissions requirements. You know, we know that their traditional way of getting kids into college is very stressful for kids, puts way too much pressure on them. But you're starting to see places come out now almost weekly that, you know, the ACT or the SAT will no longer be upheld as the be-all, end-all for getting into school. I've heard you describe uh, the mastery transcript as the front door. That is just how you get into this great house of all the things that have been built do, uh, throughout the school experience. And I thought that was a great analogy. Yeah, if you think about what gets in the way of school reform, I mean, your podcast is dedicated to that idea, right? Um, uh, for uh, It's really the traditional assumptions around what how achievement should be demonstrated um, is one of the biggest boulders. Um, I think the two biggest kind of problems in education are the way we use time. Um, in schools, we tend to organize time for the convenience of adults, not the efficacy of children's learning. And then the second is crediting, how we credit and assess and give kids feedback. I think those two things are so fundamentally broken, they are beyond tweaking. We have to replace them with, with something completely different. It is designed from the idea of what's best for kids. And I'm not saying that the people who created the current system at the time they created it didn't think they were doing what's best for kids. But we've lived with this system for about 130 years now, um, and it's getting worse. More than half of all the grades in American high schools last year were A's. So there's only two grades in high school now, A and not A. Um, I ask educators, I've probably talked to 50,000 educators in my, in my uh, proselytizing around the mastery transcript, um, and I ask this question all the time. Raise your hand if you've seen a kid in high school break into tears or near tears because they got an A minus and every hand in the room goes up. And I just turn to them and say, are you okay with that? I'm not. If we aggregate, if we become a team, we actually can do something about it. We can have kids work hard. We can have kids know what the achievement goal is. We can have kids have successes and failures and reading achievement, but we can decouple from time so we can adjust time based on their level of stress and readiness, and we can quit comparing them directly to each other. Um, you know, social media and today's society does plenty of that for kids right now, and it isn't good for them. But these kids have the record levels of mental health disorders, and it's not structural, it's situational. The school stress, peer, you know, Facebook depression, the constantly being compared to other people who look like they're somehow doing better than you are, is toxic for children. So I think if we get together, and now that we have 300 very credible schools that are working together, um, think we can do it. And, and I think you guys are doing great things. And, and I want our listeners to understand that, I mean, you, you referenced the $2 million grant. Obviously, that goes a long way toward building the infrastructure that you're going to have to have in place to do this. The other big thing that I want you to talk about a little bit 
is, is you've been recognized. You won a really big award here not too long ago. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit and how that's helped build some momentum? Sure. Yeah, one thing I should say for your listeners, if you're at all interested in what we're talking about, the, the website for the Mastery Transcript Consortium is really simple. It's mastery.org. Um, so go check it out. Um, uh, yeah, we were really pleased. Uh, the University of Pennsylvania's uh, business school warden um, has uh, awards for educational innovation. Um, and uh, there are different categories. The largest category is K-12 education. There are about 1,200 submissions. And last year, 2019, the Massey Transcript Consortium won the gold medal for the best new innovation in K-12 education. Um, and, and so that was a nice, and the, the judges were all uh, college and university um, administrators. And the sponsors were Amazon, Google, uh, Microsoft, um, and IBM. So to have both higher ed and uh, sort of uh, corporate leaders say, yes, this is not only looks like a legitimate practice, but this is really promising. What this door you're opening for kids to present themselves differently and for schools to redesign what they do and not be tied to course labels, not be tied to Carnegie units, not be tied to grades is, is exciting. And so to be recognized by Wharton and um, was, uh, was besides being a great honor, it was a really nice validation um, for what the work we're doing. My guest today is Scott Looney. You want to follow him on Twitter at S Looney. The website again is mastery.org. And if you want to check out all the things going on with the planning of the new high school, you can go to hawken.edu. So Scott, it's been a great conversation. Again, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. As we kind of wrap up our time together, uh, if there's a superintendent or maybe a board member or someone out there listening that has an interest in getting started, I mean, what's the elevator speech for those sure. folks, and, and how do they contact you? Sure. Um, so the Mastery uh, Transcript Consortium is a consortium. So it's a membership organization, and um, it is uh, the dues uh, provide uh, services. So we have site director meetings, so we have professional development training for whoever in your school might be involved in bringing the mastery crediting into your school. We will help train them, give them the tools, show them how to do it, provide them the software platform. Um, and the dues are based uh, uh, proportionally to operational budgets. Um, but we also have a free membership for schools that serve uh, a high enough proportion of low-income children. Um, and that's, we cover that through philanthropy. We have some um, funding from foundations that allow us to have, um, we don't want schools that are disproportionately serving um, low-income kids to use the resources to join our effort. We'd like them um, to have free membership, um, and, and we're fortunate that we get funding to support that. So if you're interested, don't worry about the cost. Take a look at it. But by joining a consortium, even if you're not certain that you're going to produce a mastery transcript, this is a great place to be among a community of educators talking about mastery, proficiency, competency-based uh, assessment and learning. And um, I think it's been great for our faculty, um, and I think all the schools that are participating have said just being in this conversation has been super enriching. So yes, we, and by the way, the more members we have, the more schools that join this, the more real and immutable this becomes um, for both colleges and employers. And, and one last thing about the Mastery Transcript, it is a great graduate resume for kids who aren't going to college. Um, it's a great way to present yourself to a possible employer. You can you can demonstrate, you know, for example, one of our advanced credits will be one called Agility in Ambiguity. And so 
imagine your employer and you're thinking about hiring a kid and they show you their evidence that they are agile in ambiguous situations. That's a pretty good way to help get yourself a job, not just into college. So, so it works very well for high schools that are not necessarily sending all of their kids uh, off to college as well. Well, it's been a great conversation. Again, thanks for being here. I really appreciate your time. Greg, I really enjoyed the conversation and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. So once again, folks, it's the Mastery Transcript Consortium. You want to check it out. Go to that website, mastery.org. It's going to change the way you think about not only providing educational opportunities in your school, but how to help some of your uh, you know, students get into college and use a different format. So with that, folks, uh, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Mm -hmm.